Hey everyone, welcome to the 500 Greatest Films Podcast. Special shout out, special shout out to our guest, Chelsea Pine's dad. What's up, Chelsea's dad? <laughs> Hi, Chelsea's dad. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to try real hard not to speak over one another. We're not going to. We're going to have eye contact yeah. the entire oh, time. Shit, I've already been messing yeah, you, up. Come on, dude. Come on, guys. Get pressure. it better. A lot of pressure. Get it better. Get it better. <laughs> Get it to better. Hey, you haven't been introduced yet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, Even though cool. I did say our guest's name, uh, and our guest today is a uh, graphic designer, Works at Soul Pancake, and uh, so excited to have her on the episode today, where we're talking about her favorite film of all time, boop, boop. Chelsea Pine. One of, Hello. ladies and gentlemen. One of. <laughs> Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show today, and thank you for recording this at eleven thirty at night. <laughs> Good time. My favorite time. You know, <laughs> the witching hour. Before it we get. A- before we get what into, is. what is it, 3 a.m.? Yeah, yeah. That's the witching hour? We got time. Oh. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> we got time to get this done before witches get us. <laughs> <laughs> I heard somebody say, I don't know if this is true, that the witching hour is 3 a.m. because it's the exact opposite time to when Jesus Christ was crucified. Yeah. It's like, tw- it's because he was crucified at 3 p.m., so it's like 12 oh. hours. And I'm like, why are Pagans demons... Pagans came before Jesus, Thank right? you. But why are demons and the devil keeping track of, like, your time zone before they fuck with you, is my question. Like, why... It's like, we can't haunt him. It's only Time's 9 p.m. Uh, yeah, right? It's like not... Whatever. That's always bothered me, but that's, but that's like a great little kid... Um, Reason that still is still kind of spooky. It's the exact opposite hour. It's I'm, the, I'm it's, gonna be asleep. <laughs> at 3 I make sure I'm asleep at 3 a.m. Um, but before we get into the movie we're talking about today, it being one of Chelsea's favorite films of all time, and uh, if anybody's wondering, yes, yeah, she definitely did cry at the end of this. As yep. we just watched. I it. might have cried in the beginning, middle, the beginning. and end. Really, Spoon River gets you. Yeah. I'm gonna. Oh, it's just anytime. Yeah. Anytime they played Spoon River, it's a great song. Spoon River. <laughs> mm-hmm. Frank Ocean's Moon River, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> uh, Keller, let's get to your spot. Oh, we didn't introduce you. Uh, across, sitting across from me is my co-host, Mr. Keller Knobloch. Say hi, Keller. Hi. Keller. Yeah? Give the people what they want. Oh, okay. We're all here to hear you do your famous British voice as you read the excerpt from the magazine in which the inspiration for this very podcast was born forth. Man, I thought you were going to go into the accent, and then he came back down <laughs> off of it. I did. Did not commit. No, 2008, didn't. Empire Magazine, British Magazine, list of 500 greatest films of all time. Keller, hit us with this blurb as written by a British magazine writer, editor. Can, can I just interject? It. The Please. graphic design of this page is terrible. <laughs> the layout See, we have an expert. We haven't, had an, we haven't had an expert in here to go over the way yeah. this magazine oh, looks God, that aesthetically. Page. Wow. See, I just sorry. love it. Screamed yeah. at the way <laughs> this is laid out. I love it. I love the Ooh. layout. And I think I'm that there should be more fonts. Ooh, collages, really? Keller, is this the last film of this page or the second to last? It is. We're about to finish Dude, a page. The fir- oh, my God. We're about to finish our first fucking page. I'm so excited. Oh my god, that's one, two, three, four, five. I could do the math, but mm-hmm. why would I do that? It's 14 yeah. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 486 <laughs> breakfast at Tiffany's. 1961. Director Blake Edwards. Well, it has its flaws. Parenthetical, step forward, Mickey Rooney's Japanese stereotype in parenthetical. There's no denying that Audrey Hepburn still looks ravishing and Henry Mancini's score still makes us swing. I did notice both of those things while watching this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Breakfast at Tiffany's. First question. I don't, we don't even have an itinerary, really, but this keeps coming up. What's Chelsea, the itinerary? The itinerary is like getting to the root of why did our guest choose this film? If we sent them a list of movies, like how did you, how did you pitch this to Chelsea Keller? Hey, what movie do you like? Great. Just kidding. Uh, I picked this movie for you. <laughs> really? Basic. Well, you gave me two options. I didn't you give you two s- options. Yeah, you did. I gave you the whole list. No, you gave me two options. You were like Finding Nemo or Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, but Breakfast at Tiffany's. You were going to do Pirates. But that's way down no, the line. No, I'm pretty sure it was oh, Finding like, Nemo. Pirates fi- 1? Wow. Because Finding Nemo is in like eight years. Well, yeah. Really? That's exactly why you said yeah. do Breakfast at Tiffany's. Because it's way up there on the list, yeah. as it should be. Agreed. Agreed. But... 
I like Coco better. All right, that's a whole. Other. <laughs> oh, let's get into it. We can't. We can't. Yeah, we did we'll a Disney that bracket. The end. We'll get into Just it at the end Hector's for a little Twitter. bit. Twitter, it's Just, fine. There's you. a lot of gifts. They're great. Mm-hmm. I agree. We'll go over it a little. So bit. I like how you gave both of those films because you know that both of those movies, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Finding Nemo, are interchangeable. Very important, interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Finding Nemo has a racist Asian stereotype. <laughs> Willem Dafoe, what are you doing, brother? <laughs> Cut it out. Uh, it's, it's so dated. <laughs> oh, Willa. Uh, uh, but you threw him right under the bus for that. <laughs> I did. He was great. He was great. <laughs> Leave Willem alone. Um, but uh, you knew that both of those, very important to Chelsea. And yes. then so you pitched w- w- either one of those, but then it was like, well, Breakfast at Tiffany's is in is like- this year. Is, yeah, it's in like a few months, mm-hmm. so she should do that one. And then you- Then I said, I'm going to dress up. And you did. And that's did. A, that's like the probably the first thing you said. <laughs> yeah. uh, how about breakfast at Tiffany's? I'm gonna dress up. <laughs> guess what, guys? Totally. She dressed up. Why? It's 11:30 at night on Friday <laughs> in our living room. She dressed up. Party. I'm even wearing the shoes still. I know. Even the shoes. shoes. We're in indoors. We don't need shoes. I know. You I even know. like got your haircut. That's commitment. <laughs> you got yeah. your haircut to. Sorry to freak everybody out. Uh, she did. She got a haircut. Dude. It looks exactly like Audrey Hepburn's hair. Freaked me yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> People are listening to this. Oh, no, she didn't. she didn't. But Chelsea, why is Breakfast at Tiffany's, you said before we started rolling, this has been one of your favorite movies since you were a kid. Yeah. How come? Why? Where were you? How old were you when you first saw it? Why do you love it so much? So this is the mystery. I've called my mom. I've talked to my dad. I've talked to my grandma, my 92-year-old grandma, and no one can kind of figure out the exact time I saw this for the first time, but in my head, it was either my mom showed me, my grandma showed me, or we all, the three of us with my or all of us as a family, Mm -hmm. went to the Stanford Theater in Palo Alto, which is, um, they specialize in classic double features cool. and in between the movies an organ pops up from the stage what? and so serenades cool. you in between your six dollar double feature so what? i like to think that's where i first saw it but i don't know i Just remember seeing the wizard of oz and then again can never remember the name of the film but i always call it the dr seuss experimental film it's like mm. my dad would know. The you, Cat in the Hat starring Mike Myers. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's like the 5,000 fingers of Dr. Something. Pretty oh. experimental. But, okay. So the Stanford Theater is like a beloved part of my childhood, going to double features there That's with my awesome. grandparents and my friends in high school. How many times have you seen Breakfast at Tiffany's there? I Well, see, I don't know if I even saw it there. Yeah. So, I mean. It's, Just say you have. Okay. okay and then okay. like pick, be like. We went to the Stanford Theater, and it was a double feature of Breakfast at Tiffany's and Finding Nemo. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, I wish It that was a perfect night. Stanford Theater, did you hear that? That's what you should put on your schedule this summer, and I'll come home. Be a good double feature. Yeah, yeah you hear that, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> Set it up. <laughs> Make some calls, bud. He's listening. So, like, yeah, so it's one of these movies that has just always been in your life, and you don't even remember when you first saw it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's very special to you. How old were you, do you think, when you first saw it? At the Stanford Theater with Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking like five, six years old? No, or like 13, I mean, 14? between like, wide bracket, seven and 11 or 12, I don't know. Wow. Um, but it was, it did become one of my beloved favorites in high school, I think, and I would watch mm-hmm. it semi-regularly got it for a gift on dvd for my birthday one year mm-hmm. um my friend did a 50s themed birthday party where we all had to dress up and just came over and watch films and i dressed up as audrey from i think funny face in one of those scenes I, mm-hmm. funny face would have to be my favorite audrey film over breakfast at really mm-hmm. i don't know if funny face is on the list i don't think it I is we it talked is. about different musicals that were a known and B on this list, and mm-hmm. I don't think it was. Wow! So funny face over Breakfast at Tiffany's. I feel like Breakfast at Tiffany's is more iconic, iconic, mm-hmm. and like I think it's probably her most well-known film. Yeah, yeah. very true. And what she's most known for, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know how old she was when she filmed this? Because her character, we did, we're doing the math, was supposed to be phone what phone. 19, 20, 21, something like that. You was guys her talk character? While I it's, yeah, we okay. did the math. Um, here's what I'm curious about. We While Chelsea's man. looking that up, it. I've never seen this movie. I've only, I think I've only I had seen, never seen it either. Scenes. I've, I may have seen clips like on YouTube or something, or if there was a, a, an Audrey Hepburn, you know, montage or whatever. Um, may have seen that. But uh, 
I knew very little about the movie. I just knew kind of like some of the iconography, really. Like You've I just seen used, everything in this movie, though. Yeah, in other movies, yeah. and, and in pop culture, and kind of permeating and making its way, whether it was being parodied or whatever, whatever. Like, and especially, I made this joke too that like Audrey, you got you got the age. I mean, here's the thing: I might be really bad at math, even okay. with a calculator on okay. my phone. But my math says thirty-two. Yeah, I, I believe it. I believe I it. Believe, I have friends that are 32 that look like they're 22. Sure. I have friends that are 25 that look like they're 35. Like it's, you know, we're all weird. Um, but I do buy that. I believe Because she has a baby face. Yeah, and she does. She's a little, you know, she looks mousy. the same until A little she anorexic. Died. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> super thin. Super, super thin. But she said she was fat like three times. I know. Mm. Really upsetting. Her character did, but still. Yeah. But still. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's what, I'm, here's what I'm curious about. Because I have never really seen the film. I'm watching it the first time, and I'm a 30-year-old guy. You've never really seen it, Keller. No. And so you kind of watched it. My mom it. also loves it, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I want to know, Chelsea, is this a movie that is different the older you get and the more times you've revisited it? Or does it sort of stay locked in time the way that it was when you first saw it as a little girl? I definitely think it it has evolved. Um, I'm 25 now, and I can relate to a lot more. I've had more experiences. I've had more relationships with men. Mm -hmm. I can see how men treat her. Um, Yep. So I definitely think I relate more. And like you threw out the whole thing where saying like, oh, I can't, I can't, I don't like her right now. She's the worst. And I was like, (laughs) but I love her. She is me. Like, (laughs) yeah. I can't hate her, so. Yeah. I mean, look, and she I was also. fucked over from the beginning, she, though. Yes, but I'll, I'll try to, let me try to defend my, my stance a little bit. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> she. Just um, like before you do that, what the fuck? <laughs> I really appreciate, appreciate your defending yeah. me. Hey, and, backing up. And, and Audrey, Holly. And yeah. Holly. Yeah. And Holly. Or Luna May or whatever. Lula May. Lula May. Come on, man. My, my thing was like. <laughs> Like, I was frustrated with her, some of her actions and her decisions as this character, as this young woman. I was frustrated because I'm a guy who is in a different place in his life. She's also supposed to be like a 21-year-old. Right. Who's like in New York and has like a small but like awesome apartment and, you know, can go out and party every night. A bathtub couch. Yeah. Like cool shit. Oh, I want a bathtub couch A cat now. in New York. I want a bathtub couch. Me too. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. that bathtub couch. That's it. Let's replace this with one small bathtub couch. Let's get a big bath. Let's like cut a jacuzzi in half. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come in and we're just sitting in a thing. hot Not tub. Like, same it's great. Thing. Come on. Let's <laughs> watch TV. We're going to put, we're going to cut a jacuzzi in half and put feet on it. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to like actually step up into it. If you can and you're see just my face right now. Yeah. She's super into it's, it. It's this, for no. that. it's this no. noise. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I, my defense is, is that as a viewer and as somebody who is probably more mature, I would hope, than Holly is in the film, I'm frustrated with her because I'm like, I'm, and I kept saying like, get your shit together. But really what I wanted to say was like, f- like figure out your priorities, <laughs> fi- figure out your emotions. Her name is Holly Golightly. Yeah. Can I, can I just interject? Please. A, this was a book written by Truman Capote that's supposed to take place in 1944. Yeah. And so it's bad I don't. We couldn't quite figure out when the movie was supposed to be set, if it was the I actually 61. 61. I think because at one okay. point, the author says that he had a book published in 55. And it's been, and a she, it's been and she, that long. And she says, yeah, like, she goes, oh, I don't want to, this might be kind of crummy, but like, do you have anything recently? So Got I'm it. like, it's probably well, six years. But even so, mm-hmm. think of what women went through in 61. Absolutely. And the, the position they were in and the person they had to be in yes. that era. So you can't really Especially blame her for the way that she nothing. acts. I can, I can and I can't. I can. <laughs> well, she escaped. True. True, true, true. All of this is true. <laughs> Shit. We learn, we learn in the film. Texas. I mean, first of all, I want to say this, too. This is a great movie. It is a great movie. It's a great movie. I had a great time watching it. I was honestly engaged the whole way. The, the writing is fantastic. The, some of the performances are stellar. It's The funny. guy at the Tiffany Jewelry store. Love that guy. Like, he was great. There's funny moments, and there's and the score. And I'm so glad. I forgot that the Empire Magazine mentions that. The score is, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. It still you know? makes a swing. And I, you guys got to know, too my favorite city in the world is New York City. So, like, I love the character of New York in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, it's great. Okay. It's a little character for me. Anytime, anytime we like go... A, a character in the movie. Well, anytime you know, we go Tiffany's from a set... more of the character than I know, New York. But to me, anytime they went from a set 
somebody's apartment or whatever to their shooting on the streets of New York, it made it feel so much more modern for True. me because we've all been to New York because mm-hmm. we've walked around and it's like, that is real to me. It's, it becomes a tangible thing. It's not just a thing. Or well, a relatable thing. Relatable it, it thing. pretty much looks the same. Yes. Just cars certain, are different. Exactly. When he's like on the payphone in the background, those, those tall skyscrapers, I've been like, I'm like, I think that's near 30 Rockefeller Center. I've been there. This is great. Anyway, my point is this. My favorite payphone. There's a <laughs> love that payphone. It's not there anymore. Uh, it's, it's not. That's not how uh, phones work. But um, at one point in the movie, I did say, "Rest in payphone." I point, I like yelled at the screen. I was like, "You're lying." Remember that? Mm, I, pointed to, I, I pointed to Holly. I said, you're lying. And then and you, you guys came you to her stood defense. stood up. But then I said, yeah, I stood up. And I was like, you're a liar about her feelings. But then. Hector, or, wake up. Because I thought she was playing main dude. Like, you're playing him. But then oh, yeah. I said, I'm like, but I also understand she has to say this because, my God, she is a woman in 1961. Like, right. you cannot be honest. You cannot be, you know, she is absolutely somebody who had to live through what she lived through. And that was even before we learn in the film, she was married at 14 to some dude and then got out of there. By some dude, you. you mean some guy that looks like a grandpa. You got to come be with your wife and your children. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, that's relatable to me. I have um, in my, I don't know if you know, that. I don't know if I told you guys this. I know I told Keller, my parents' generation, my mother has an older sister who she was married at 12. Damn. So that is not far away from me. You know what no, I mean? Like, yeah. And that was a, maybe around um, like the 70s, 80s when that happened. That's your aunt. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. And that's crazy to me. That is mind-blowing yeah. that that happened not that long ago. So when I'm, when I'm watching a movie and it's 1961 and this happens, I'm like, yep, I buy it. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand. In Tulip, Texas. In Tulip, Texas, what the character had to go through to get to where she is. But at the same time, I can't help but watch the movie with a 2018 lens, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm also frustrated with, um, and this is not just something, I'm not just attributing this to like women in society. Men do this too for wrong reasons, for other reasons. But the idea of like, look, you made your bed, now lay in it. You're specifically making decisions based on I'm going to go marry this guy for his money. Oh, that yeah. is also I'm heartbreaking keep to me. That's you back, heartbreaking. Okay, go I, ahead. Like, go ahead. Because you're it, right. Because I kept saying like, I kept saying because she's like, I'll do anything for money, and I and I kept thinking, get a job. But again, it's 1961. Yeah, right. You're a woman. You look like Audrey Hepburn. What are your options? What are your and, options? And I get also, looking she's at 21 it. Twenty-one at this point. What are her options? She got married <laughs> at fourteen. It's like she didn't keep going to school after that. Right. Yeah. It's true. It's just that because I'm seeing her and she's Audrey Hepburn and she's a successful, charismatic actor, in my brain, I'm like... It's like, Audrey Hepburn, just go be Audrey Hepburn yeah. somewhere. <laughs> in, my, in my brain, I'm like, you're, I'm like this character the, is Go stand somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. go off of that because I think people Please. do, I guess, pigeonhole her because when you look at any film, you don't see her role. Mm-hmm. She is very much a one character person mm-hmm. throughout all of her films. She is... Everyone identifies her as Audrey Hepburn, not as... Uh, I forgot the character's name, Funny but My Fair Lady. My Fair and then, Lady. Eliza? Like she, Holly Eli- Golightly. Yeah, I don't know. I never watched that one. I watched I just, the really uh, shitty one where she's a Native American. Oof. oof that one's bad, too. Uh, we're going to put a pin in that and come back to Nikki. <laughs> oh, yeah. We can, we can <laughs> definitely. Well, but, yeah. but please continue. <laughs> but yeah, I can see that. Like yeah. You just see her as Audrey, as this gorgeous, classic woman who mm-hmm. can hold her own, who's eloquent and does well for the world. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. I, sure. Does good for the world. Yeah. She... Yeah, she's super funny but, in this movie. Yes, great. But she's time. not like you have to look at it, it mm-hmm. as Truman Capote's Holly mm-hmm. and yeah. what that was. But like in she's, that era, she's delivering those very funny lines well. And like when she's drunk, she's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. She's got charisma for days. And we also forget that, like, the way that they made movies back then, and this movie specifically, there are long shots. Of just it's her, like a her face, and it just, like, gets real shiny all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> well, those filters I, are great. I don't know That's if great. you noticed this, but I felt like every time it cut to her, it was, like, that glow of, yep. like, the yeah. dating game glow, exactly you know? But then when it cuts to Paul, stars. you're just, like, it's normal. Yeah. It's just there's this I love fuzzy it. glow around her there always. That's how they shot women back in the day for film, uh, you should you guys should watch old episodes of Star Trek. Same exact thing happens really? and it's amazing. I did, cut to, like I didn't notice until this time and yeah. I don't know how many time I've, times I've <laughs> seen it. It's such a crazy stark contrast yeah. when it cuts <laughs> to her. Yep. It's not which which to me makes me feel like when they were making these movies 
even though Breakfast at Tiffany's is a is a totally female centric point of view in so many ways, and it's like a fe- she is the lead character in this movie. It's a female centric story, and it makes sense to me that generations of women could fall in love with this movie yeah. and share it with other women in their families and lives. But I also see anytime I see that stark contrast, I'm like, the producer of this movie are making this movie and thinking that dudes, men are going to go see this because and it's idolize the, it's, her, idolize, it's sexualize this, her exactly. And then it cuts to the dude, and there's no like filter over the dude with the dreamy eye. Well, just you know. also what we learned about. The difference between uh, the book and the movie. That was fascinating. Chelsea told us. <laughs> Please. Uh, tell it again, Chelsea. Yeah, tell, tell us. It, in again. The, it was like the first scene in which we see Paul slash Fred. Mm-hmm. Paul slash Fred, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Varjak, the main male character, in the original book by Truman Capote, as I read on the internet, uh, was a gay character. Yeah. And Paramount just wrote that completely out. Um, it is a really total... Did. Straight love story, but I'm so curious. Maybe because of the of the limitations of like showing romance and love in in that era of movie. Because well, I'm, just remember, the like, limitations of being gay in Hollywood. Oh, for sure. But I'm saying, but because of some of the limitations of like, we're not going to. They never like explicitly state that Holly. Uh, you know, has a physical uh, like relationship with this person or this person yeah. or even Paul. Mm-hmm. The first scene, and then like the scene right after that, she sneaks into Paul's bed and she's like, "Just let me lay here. I'll just fall asleep and it'll be all right." We're and then they friends. fall asleep because we're friends, right? And they fall asleep. It's still to me. As soon as you said that, Chelsea, I'm like, this is reading as like a gay character. This Paul guy is just like a really nice guy. Well, even but because. You said it's crazy how much that changed the way I'm seeing yeah. this movie now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Because, I ruined it from the beginning. You well, didn't ruin it. Because it's beforehand, like, I went with the... It's a very interesting well, lens to yes, see it. Yes, but then ch- pretend I didn't say that mm-hmm. and watch it. This is a weird thing it, to say, but watch it as a 14-year-old girl sure. oh, watching yeah. this film, classic idolizing the heterosexual, romance. Yeah, yeah. classic mm-hmm. heterosexual, heteronormative romantic relationship for sure. Yeah, I feel like... Even if I, even if you hadn't said anything, I maybe would have been reading into um, what some of those little back and forths between the two characters were earlier on. But because you said originally in the book this character's gay, I was kind of reading it as gay until a certain point where I was like, "Oh, that sounds like." But now they're, they're going to change. This is now. where Paramount's in on this. <laughs> Here's the change. You know, he says a specific thing mm-hmm. or does a specific thing or looks at her a specific way, and I was like, "Oh, that." You don't okay. control me. Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> that's yep. when the change was. Yeah. <laughs> another man came in and wrote that and was like, "Perfect, brilliant." <laughs> and Truman, Cap- Truman Capote this is was how like, "I feel that's not really what I was going for. I'm Truman Capote. That's not yeah, what this yeah, is. Yeah. It's more." of a of a blonde writer who's gay living in New York and he meets this socialite and, so I, and his we were saying pick. and they're yeah. buddies <laughs> yeah I get that but I thought that and was and then Harper Lee shows up fascinating read yeah it was really interesting let's talk about Mickey Rooney oh can I just start with my anecdotal story about please. Mickey Rooney please so my grandmother 92 um her and my papa lived with Adela Rogers St. John while my grandpa was at UCLA in the 40s. Adela wow. Rogers St. John is, I guess, a socialite of Los Angeles or some uh, to-do person in Los Angeles. And they lived on her property. And apparently every Sunday night she would host a dinner party and have different celebrities over. And my dad a couple days ago, I was like, you need to talk to your grandma. You have to have her tell you this story. She met Mickey Rooney. And I was like, what? What? So I tried to get it out of her. I tried to get details, (laughs) but as you, as you could probably tell from a 92 year old woman, there's not much detail left, but Mm -hmm. she did meet Mickey Rooney. She said that they were playing a game of charades. They split into two teams during this dinner party and Mickey Rooney threw a tizzy fit and walked out because he wasn't winning or because it wasn't run the way he wanted it to be run. Oh, Mickey. But I a hundred percent buy that. Yeah. So, so, so hard through a tizzy. Yeah. That's yeah. Mickey Rooney through a tizzy in the forties. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's probably just did like a bit and then did a Pratt fall on the way out yeah. the door. I'm upset. Man. <laughs> Soda water's on my face. That's really, really funny. I cannot wait to tell stories of the people I've met when I'm 92. <laughs> I cannot wait. It's People are going to think <laughs> I'm Rudy? lying. Kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that's going to be our anecdote. <laughs> exactly. Like, like sweet older people of a different generation are like, oh, they threw a tizzy. We're going to be like, you know who's kind of a fucking dick? And it's like, <laughs> Grandpa, stop cussing. <laughs> Shut up. Like, you know, we're going we're gonna to be so crass. 
crass and gross <laughs> when we when we relay our anecdotes. But um, yeah, but that's 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 great. That's really great. Um, th- this it is a tragedy that Mickey Rooney plays this character in this film for many reasons, namely it ruins this movie. There's like, what we counted only five m- scenes though. Yes, but, it's but so jarring every it time it is yeah. and it is so tragic because first of all number one it is deeply offensive yes i cannot imagine being an asian person and 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 enjoying like, this movie and knowing that this is a thing and that is a thing that has been sort of like a like a go-to thing in hollywood for decades right like yeah. yes 1961 was a long time ago not that long mm-hmm. ago you know, so like that, that's number one. And that, and, and the other thing I was saying as I was like, as we were watching it, can you guys imagine if in 1961 they just found an Asian actor who could play this comedic part and they cast him and he did it? Just and go he, real big with and it. And he went yeah. all out real big. We would be saying, oh, he's got a very thick accent today and everything. And it would still be problematic of like how Asians are generally portrayed. Exactly. But people would look back on that and go, that Asian actor crushed it. What a great, you know, what a great. A like, breakthrough for yeah. A Asian breakthrough actors. and what a classic performance that, you know, we can look to. And this guy did such a great job. And it was, it, it would still was, it provided visibility for a community because it's such a big movie, all that other stuff. The second thing it's such a tra- it's, that's so tragic about it is that. Mickey Rooney is a comedic legend. He's funny. He's even funny in this film. He he's, is. He's funny in the way that, like we were saying, he has great physical comedy ability. Yeah. That is not diff- that is not easy to do. No. And he he is a good actor and he's very funny. It's just it takes everything away from that as it should, and it also takes away, like you were saying, Keller, like from the movie. It's jarring. I will say this: we talked about the movie for 20, 25 minutes before mentioning it which is just a testament to the strength of the film surrounding yeah. it. Yeah. But it's such a bummer that Mickey Rooney It's sprinkled plays, throughout. Oh, like, you yeah. will go through, like, this, just the amazing scenes where they're, like, they go and rob the Five and Dime store. Great. And they great go and... music, great yeah, scene. Yeah, all it's that. Sweet. And then all of a sudden, hey, we got to go back... Hey, we have to go back to my right. apartment. Oh. Uh, like, <laughs> like yeah. you're saying about the physical comedy, even if it was just another white actor, mm-hmm. if it was Mickey Rooney being Mickey Rooney doing that comedy, Comedy, it would land because those are the landlord. funny bits, yes. not the yes. let's joke on what a Japanese American sounds and, like. And the caricature and the you know the language and everything. It is it is such a bummer because yeah, like if Rooney was playing a white landlord, just in a this, crazy old landlord, crazy like, old, Rooney would crush the yeah. fuck out of yeah. Them. And it would it would just enhance, and it's yeah. something that like you know would would age fine and you were saying that like it, immediately they've, after you they've gone back and forth i'm pretty sure again reading from the internet but i liked my internet research um the director and mickey rooney just immediately was like no we regret doing this we shouldn't have done this we're mm-hmm. sorry but then in a 1991 memoir of mickey rooney's mm-hmm. he went back and was like no everyone loved that role everyone loved me it was fine no sure. one like it's totally okay he's like flip-flopped on it like Three times. I, I think don't. he's like... So it's not surprising that he I, walked out of a charade session. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it yeah, sounds like not. he's throwing some tizzies in 1991. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pete's Dragon did not do well for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's... Just, it's And it, the, the bummer thing, too, is that, like, this is also part of Andy Rooney's legacy. Mickey Rooney's? I mean, Mickey Rooney's legacy. <laughs> Andy Rooney, of 60 Minutes, would frequently complain about Mickey Rooney. Um, it's a bummer about... It's it's part of Mickey Rooney's legacy. Because take, take a kid who is born, I don't know, in 2010. Eight yeah. years old today. Little boy, little girl, right? Eight-year-old mm-hmm. kid. They, Set the scene. Keep going. They... They have uh, parents that are like, let's let's rent a movie. Let's get something on, you know, oh, look what's on Netflix. Let's look at this. Look at that. They're going to watch this movie. And there's a, there's a great many things in it to enjoy. And then Mickey Rooney scenes. It is. And if the parent, and it's like, first it's, it's like the first three scene. minutes. It's a thing where, like I'll say this. She eats breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. And then we meet Mickey Rooney. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, didn't I expect croissants tonight? Oh, sorry. Did. I didn't Instead, know. Instead, we got chilies yeah. <laughs> to yeah. go. Molten chocolate cake. Yeah. Had a molten it's... chocolate cake. Kind of like a How croissant. How was that? It was 
Runny? Amazing. It was amazing. Oh, okay. Um, it melted. Yeah. But the, the, the bummer thing is, is Guys, that... Guys, I lit Southwestern egg, roll, egg rolls <laughs> on fire in our toast drum yeah. today. Egg rolls. Southwestern egg rolls. Egg rolls. <laughs> they are on Doing this fire. at midnight definitely affects your speech patterns. I'm really great does. at talking. It really words does. Every <laughs> single time I open it. I like that vague kind of European accent. What is that? It's like a, this one here. Yeah, well, or Holly's one. vague European French accent. Oh, yes. Exactly. That's just socialite. I took French for a year. <laughs> yes, darling. I am uh, from Toyota, Texas. <laughs> so I took French. No, but not even close. The bummer no. thing is that it starts, <laughs> the Mickey Rooney scene happens, like you're saying, Keller, so early on that if somebody isn't prepped, it's, it, I can imagine, it's, ima- it's, it's like jarring. We were prepped. That if a kid, an eight-year-old kid is watching this, like, I hope that they have parents that go, oh, 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 oh shit, this is the movie that has uh, Mickey Rooney's offensive portrayal. Hey, mm-hmm. just a heads up, we're going to watch this film, but we're going to have a conversation after or before or whatever, and then they watch it and then talk about, here's why that's bad. Yeah. And and that's a bummer that this film comes with, you know, a lot of movies a that... massive disclaimer. As we keep continue to make movies and get better and more empathetic as a society, this is going to keep happening as the years go on, but especially from for this movie in particular it's like it has that little asterisk of like you gotta you know exp- you gotta like you gotta like yeah, let somebody a know parenthetical and there is thank you empire magazine but you you do have to let people know about it and then it, it kind of makes you go wow but then you do that research of like how did they like how did people re- respond to it mm-hmm. how did they react to it and it's and it's a thing that again it's just a part of a larger picture problem mm-hmm. it's it, it that's what the the conversation is really about is that yeah this is not the worst travesty in the world he's like it's like he, mickey rooney is still funny in this film the problem is is that this was like the most asian people a lot of people would see do you know what i mean like of uh, back right. then uh, oh yeah so, like that, as like, my grandma would say oriental uh, so yeah yes yeah. still a problem yes. with that generation but it that's is, never going to be and other generations and other yeah so so yeah there's there's my grandparents it's well. just a major bummer because I think the, I really think the rest of this movie is so lovely. Like it, it, it works is. on so it many is. levels. Like if it was just Mickey Rooney being Mickey Rooney, Thank it would you. be a hundred percent. And I know it's a problem, but I mm-hmm. still love it. I still I cry. It's still on my top ten. It's what, still a great movie. What were the other parts of the movie that you cried? Was it just when they play Moon River because you know what's happening at All the end? All six versions um, of Moon River. <laughs> so when Audrey starts singing Moon River, I think I started crying. But the one that really gets me every time besides the ending scene mm-hmm. is when she finds out her brother Fred mm. is dead. Oh, and so she... And shit. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you guys saw it as cheesy, but every time I see it, I'm just like... I'm put in that space. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. shows me what she's feeling and she does it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And even if we think she plays the char- same character in every film, like this proves her, like her skill as an actress. Yeah. And I just am like, <sighs> I feel that. And mm-hmm. I just start crying with her and she heaves. And I know what that, like that it's your, it hurts. it's your it's your heart breaking in your stomach if you've ever felt that. It's yeah. your solar plexus just breaking, yeah, and your entire being just breaking, and you're sobbing and flow. just <laughs> exactly. You're just it's just your whole flow. whole body feeling this heartache, and when she feels it, I feel it, and I just cry. It is that is like her only family in the movie. Yeah, is Fred. Yeah. And That's it, all and, she has. I mean, it's just hu- hugely important to that character because she names the main guy Fred because we learn immediately, you remind me of my brother Fred, and then we learn how important he is for the rest of the film. And, you know, that scene in particular, like, to me, it was very melodramatic, but it still worked. It's very over the top, mm-hmm. but it still works, you mm-hmm. know? And like you're saying, Chelsea, like, it does show her ability, and um, it's, uh, it, it is heartbreaking. I think for me, the the thing that really worked for me was at the end when she goes after that cat. Cause it just, it's such oh, yeah. a, it's just the most perfect way to sort of wrap everything up. I think we can still talk about Paul, that cat and, and, <laughs> and how Paul is Elvira. Not, was that Elf, cat's Elvira? name? I think Elvira. Was it? Was or was that the handler's name? name? No, I'm pretty beginning. sure it was the cat. And then in parentheses, it said the handler's name was something different. Oh, mm-hmm. so it was quotes cat, but the cat uh, mm-hmm. was played by a cat named Elvira played by a cat. named. You know what's sad? Yeah. That cat is dead. 
Oh, R. don't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Rooney's dead. Audrey Hepburn's yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Let's keep sorry. going. But the cat is always sad when you see an animal in Well, it. when you hear him meow, is that that is the literal point. That's what I gets start you? crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't even like cats. Jesus. I like cats. I do like cats. I, don't, cat. I mean, there's very few and far between cats I like. This cat? Avira cat? Great cat? cat. Cat, great cat. cat, great cat, great cat. I mean, great stunt work. <laughs> Jumping down on a person's shoulder. Yeah. That whole like, shot, like yep. catching it going across the top of the uh, cabinets and then mm-hmm. jumping down onto mm-hmm. someone's shoulder. Great. It was great. And then the whole party. The scene stunt is work great. when Audrey mm. is freaking out about her brother. She like throws the cat. He like latches onto the little shutter blinds yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Like we were all feeling for the cat. And at the end, I was so mad that she threw that cat out. The cat was my favorite character. <sighs> but great symbolism happening at the end where she says, "You'll be fine on your." Own, nobody can keep you in a cage go and i'm like you just made a mistake because before she kicked that cat out of the cab when she was relating herself to the cat and saying i'm like cat we have no name we're just no name slobs slobs my defense was like yeah but if dude didn't go get this cat from your apartment cat would have died like to to go to you paul's point a little other. bit you you do need people in this world. Mm-hmm. You do need people. And if you feel a connection towards them and if you build a relationship, whether romantic or not, you need to admit yourself you need to admit that to yourself and like don't close people off. I think for me that's my takeaway for the film. Yeah. And at the end she throws a cat out and then when she goes to look for it, it's it's signifying that she does understand that and she is sort of letting her walls down. And then when the cat meows, it's signifying that if she is represented by the cat, that she's also letting herself sort of be found and be helped, you know? So anyway, I really like that ending. Yeah. It was a great it ending. Is, mm-hmm. It is one of the greatest film endings that ever. That poor cat. Still not the most romantic because Paul is kind of a dick. <laughs> he is. <laughs> it Again, is like a, a product of his time. But he has like, re- like romantic relationship. It's not like, ideally how you want to fall in love but it is what yeah, I you don't know i don't idolizing know how to buy it right especially right. like the context you did give us did inform it a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i like still just because like yeah. the way he like even like his acting choices like it didn't seem like the only redeeming quality or like the the things you see them falling in love is those like three scenes where they go to Tiffany's, the five and dime, and mm-hmm. they just run. Or was it those only still those just two? feel like they're friends though more than really because I feel I feel that. Oh I, really? I, mm-hmm. It's it's tricky because I like the I, five and dime scene a lot. It was very good. It was very good. It's and tricky. the jewelry store man. Mm, yeah, he was he was uh, amazing, and I was like hoping he got. A nomination for best supporting actor just for that did. one scene. He did, um, but it's tricky because, like, I, I, sometimes I feel when I watch movies of this era or earlier that they are being facetious with how they portray men. Because I'm like, nah, men were shittier than this. You're giving me mm. like a very like Hollywood version of like this is yeah. how n- nice men are. I'm like, dude, if you're showing James Bond grab women and force himself on them, and this is the nice version, like men were shittier. Well, I Paul just, grabbed Audrey Hepburn. He did like three multiple times. Yeah, times. He said, "Don't walk away." from me and like yes. held her what's wrong with you and so and i she like, was like let go of me and he was like no yeah <laughs> a couple things Be- because of my own sort of biases towards like heterosexual romance is in film i immediately assume immediately assumed as soon as we saw him need help getting into the building and knocking on her door or whatever but like the first time they met and she's just waking up from partying and she's got a big poofy shirt on i immediately assumed i'm like oh well he's gonna fall for her i was like this she, is what this movie is this is what it is. i was like because she's audrey hepburn she's a knockout like this is what this dude is you know even before even getting to know her he's gonna be like yeah i love you i'm in love with you um and because of the way that the first few scenes are played he's very reserved and very polite and very gentlemanly he doesn't say much besides sure Yep. Like this movie feels like they put more work into the relationship, but it doesn't feel like they it, earned it, that romance. Yes, exactly. It doesn't feel like a like a heterosexual relationship. Yeah, it feels a like a, a friend a relationship until a certain point where I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know how. Yeah, man, I don't know if how much what you said informed it for me. Yeah, I mean, it I don't know. If I it really ruined it. No, then. you didn't. No, no you didn't I'm at all. I'm glad you did because I was paying attention to how they're. I want to read the book pretty bad yeah i was just paying attention to like how are you guys pitching a romance to us in 1961 that's what was fascinating to me and again this is from an era where they had uh ricky ricardo and lucille ball in different beds 
in, on television. Do you know what I mean? So I keep thinking, I'm like, they can't get too sexy with it. They can't get too right. like passionate. They with can it. only like allude to it. Allude like, to it. Like, they so show good. they show one person half naked in bed as mm-hmm. the other person's leaving in the scene before. Oh, or, so I didn't even pick that up. Uh, yeah, the decorator. That's right. Yeah, the they don't ever Who show gives Paul yeah. money. That the kind actual of thing. thing. That kind of thing. So or like we, the apartment, which is just about. Yeah, it took you a while to pick up on to, that. It did. I'm stupid. It did. <laughs> yeah, because they're kind of skirting around things. Yeah. And then on top of that, I think there's also is uh, some skirting around that just happened in the era where they're trying to make men seem not as shitty and sort of sexist mm. and chauvinistic. Do you well, know what just I mean? the first scene again, that guy banging on his head. I, I bought dinner for all of your friends. Yep. I deserve a little I something. I thought you right? liked me. Exactly. I'm the kind of guy that gets liked. Doesn't that mean that I'm entitled to something? Didn't he yeah. say entitled? He said he entitled said to something. That gives me a right. Gives me a right to something, uh, like uh, like uh, asking uh, for sex maybe. And I'm like, in the real world, this dude would have been that's knocking like sure down this door and other people would have had to pull him away. Like I'm just like, this. that's still pretty, pretty raw and pretty realistic for how, I guess, the dynamic between this man and this woman could have been, but they still didn't. My whole point is we get to the scene where dude Paul is in bed and she climbs in the room. And the way that that whole scene played out, I was kind of like, this doesn't feel very obviously heterosexual to me. I no. Like the, right. the lines well, coming I mean, out of Paul's mouth. I'm like, The ah. fact that she relates him to her brother right. the entire time, yep. calls mm-hmm. him Fred. Yep. It's not like you don't see the romance coming. Correct. Yeah. Or the but. like the friendship. Yeah. But here's back well, it's to like your you point. you said, there's a switch. There's a switch. But back to your point, though, Chelsea, like I you're saying this isn't the ideal sort of romantic relationship. I was just having this thought just now, if they ever did a remake of this or if they did like a, a, a new movie that's ba- like really based on the story of breakfast at Tiffany's, mm-hmm. how would you update it? What would you do to get us to buy the romance? And I feel like I like the idea of these two people knowing they're not, they can't be together or they're not together. You know, they're or just make the book and not have the romance. That's also a possibility. But if you had to do the romance, because that ending is great, and I would love for that ending to land even more for me, the way that that happens for me. I want to know how the book ends. Yeah, but you're a big reader, and uh, I've already got a bunch of stuff on my plate that I'm reading, so I can't. You don't read. (laughs) I don't read. There you go. (laughs) I'm going to read it for both of you. Yeah, give us the cliff notes. Okay. All I'm saying is this what if the version of the romance was they do become friends but they're like she's with somebody else he's with whatever the situation is and then after a while they do realize that they have feelings for each other but then really lean into that like just make it when Harry met Sally I was just saying oh my god you're reading my mind there you go then maybe it is when Harry met Sally does one of them reject their feelings yeah and the other one has to let them know like it happens he's like uh, Harry rejects it no Mm, well kind of they sleep together and then they like she's are like really this ha- was a bad idea. She's and then really happy. Like, it wasn't and he's a freaked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he, she is. Kinda he rejects too. her because she was into it once mm-hmm. they sleep together. But they both decided that they weren't going to do it again. They both decided going to lunch the next day that they oh, were going to okay. break it off. Yeah. And then Harry runs and professes his love, and she's like, "You can't do this. I hate you." And then they make out, and then the movie's over. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> Real romance right there, too. Very similar. Very it similar. is. I just liked that. There, there's two I never, di- I like that you made that connection. Yeah. There's two different things. Chelsea. There's two different things happening with these two characters. I feel like they're kind of on different tracks. Uh, Holly is on a track of like, you got to figure your own shit out. Yeah. You know, and I, and I like that the movie kind of focuses that's the way her whole life has been she had yes. to figure her own shit out the movie focuses on that i would have liked for the movie to focus on that more and maybe less on the on the romance that paul is growing because mm-hmm. i'm like i don't care dude like mm-hmm. for this to even work holly kind of does need to like love herself and figure her own I shit out i did love that he just kept me i love you and she's like okay yeah <laughs> that's great that's great right. cool but the i'm gonna go back to the music because that mm-hmm. is the, is so the main thing about this and I think that's what sells the romance. It builds the emotion. And a movie is more than 50% the music. And this just gets you. And it's the motif throughout the entire time. Mm-hmm. We even heard in the party scene, there's a jazz version of Moon, Moon River. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said they were almost going to take it out? Yeah. So I think it was Paramount said they were going to take it out. and Just because uh, she couldn't Audrey- sing well enough? 
Yeah, I don't know if it was that or she did fine. I thought she was good. Yeah, like she, she's singing with a guitar out of her window. It's, it's mm-hmm. sing talking. It's not really it's singing, but Audrey it, it works. It works for that singing. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she told the studio, like, "You'll take it out over my dead body." So she fought for it to be in and loved Henry Mancini's work and like mm-hmm. told told him in a letter that like she finally saw the movie with the score in it and loved it and. Mm-hmm. It, what was the analogy? It was like uh, a movie without a score is like an airplane without fuel. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not and going it's just, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's, when you I said think that, it's that that makes me love this movie too I agree. because I'm a, I am a musician. I've played piano since I was seven. I didn't know that. And I was in Fun fact. band throughout cool. high school. Yeah. That's awesome. So I, didn't I think, know that. and for a couple of years in college, I was a music recording major. So all this weird recording stuff I haven't seen in years, but um, we got the best of the best. Yeah. You guys wouldn't believe it. Cream yeah. of the crop. It is yeah. a string with two cups. Um, <laughs> and it's and, like, yeah. we keep them in a share a cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two cups. So I okay, can bring the cup over to you, Chelsea. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. we go. All right. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely why, or maybe a hundred percent why I fell in love with this film and Audrey. Cause you, you want to be her when you're a little girl, you want to mm-hmm. be that classic woman. And I mean, I, I hope I am. I dressed like her today, but, um, well, she's even like more that she's like, cause the classic woman is, I guess is supposed to be at home with the husband. She mm-hmm. wasn't she's at not. all that. She's in this the, movie. she's the party girl in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And I've wanted to be yeah. Audrey or Holly or any of her characters for years. And maybe it was my first step into what women could be in film. Like yeah, maybe mm-hmm. it's not a hundred percent what we want it to be, but it's a way that women can be the the lead and mm-hmm. in yeah. charge of their own life. And that's why I've liked it so much. That's great. And I one hundred percent agree with you with the music. When you gave us that factoid about Audrey writing that letter. It really, I, I was picturing, especially that last scene, try to imagine it without the score, where it's just yeah. the sound effects of like the rain hitting and those characters sharing that dialogue and she goes and gets the cat. That scene would leave you so disappointed. You'd be like, I'd feel like a what? wet cat. Yeah, you'd be like, huh? And you'd go, really? That guy? Audrey, that yeah. guy, you're gonna go, you're gonna be with that guy. But the music swells, and you're like, oh, it's, it's great. It just, it absolutely works. It absolutely works. I just, um, you Let's know, that Frank Ocean cover. I will. Oh, yeah. oh it's good. You guys no, played we, it before. I, I, well, I mean, I'm telling good. the audience. Oh, oh, I don't yeah. care if you, you guys listen specify. to it. I'm talking to the audience. Yeah, well, listen up, okay. Frank Ocean did a cover of it. It's very good. It is. I really liked it. Quality shit. When you were talking about this is one of the first times that you've seen like what a woman can do in film mm-hmm. with this kind of role and how you were saying Keller that even for back then women were expected to be certain things and yeah. this character was I not. I feel like this was probably good for back then. Yeah. Pretty ground. I'm sure pretty groundbreaking. Yeah. It reminded me that it made me think of 1961. I'm like, you know what? That is the year that Marvel comics started. And if I can, Bring up Spider Man like I always do. You just every episode connected breakfast at Tiffany. Wait, I did. if we're gonna talk to about Marvel women, Comics. we need to bring up oh, Wonder Woman, did. then not Spider Man. Well, let me say why I'm bringing do up. Both. Uh, you have to connect this to Spider Man, and then you have to connect it to Wonder Woman. I'll, this, I'll connect it to. Both. I need you to. Con- okay. I'll connect it to both. I'll connect it to Spider Man in this way. It's 1961. There is a bunch of Jewish guys and other dudes and mm-hmm. dudettes in New York, and they start writing funny books for, you know, they start doing superhero stories for kids, and they start building this mythos, and Stan Lee's there, Jack Kirby's there. And then a year later, in 1962, Stan wants out. He's going to leave. Bye, Stan. He wants to quit. He wants to go write the next great American novel. You know, he's sick of doing this kind of stuff. He doesn't want to do it anymore. His wife tells him, well, if you're just going to leave, then just do whatever you want. So he takes an idea that he had that he pitched to his editor before, you know, Spider-Man. And the editor was like, no, Stan, people don't like spiders. That's a bad idea. Oh, but no, listen to this. He's a teenager. No, Stan, teenagers are the sidekicks. They're not the heroes. That's a bad idea. And he's got problems with girls and money problems and he gets sick and he gets a cold. Stan, that's a terrible idea. Nobody wants to read that. They want hero escapism stuff. So it's 1962. He's like, I'm going to leave anyway. He writes the story of Spider-Man, the origin story in the last issue of a canceled series called Amazing Fantasy. It's called Amazing Adult Fantasy, 
but it, it wasn't inappropriate. It was, that was just the title for it. And they changed it to Amazing Fantasy like for that last X's issue. on the cover. And like, yeah, it's, a, it's like, it was like Korg, Ugh, like some monster or whatever. Spider-Man did not um, wear clothes. Anyway, my point is, is that... Oh, shot string out of Sp- butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man's a big hit, right? Five years later in like 1966, maybe even before, maybe even even like 64, but early 60s, they introduce one of his love interests when... Um, I think he. I don't think he meets her in high school, but he keeps kind of ducking her. But by the time they allow Spider-Man to graduate to college, he meets who will eventually become his wife, Mary Jane Watson, and she is a model, and she is a party girl, and she's a knockout. And I'm seeing a lot of this early '60s Breakfast at Tiffany, Breakfast at Tiffany's in New York socialite life to inspire these people to write this character because even then later. There was a story arc that she had to go through where she's like, she, she continued to push people away as well to sort of, because she got away from an abusive childhood and she didn't want, I'm, I'm connecting it. Are you laughing because I'm connecting it and it's working? Because it is kind of working. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a stretch, but such a stretch. the imagery, think about this. The first time you meet, see Mary Jane and, yeah. and artist John Romita Sr. draws her. She's wearing like a classic, like black shirt as she's holding a jacket she says face it tiger you just hit the jackpot she's not saying darling oh darling darling but whatever the 60s you're, then i'll connect it to wonder Audrey's woman pretty good thank you i've been working on it my whole life without even realizing it because <laughs> so it's such good. it's such it is such like a cliched voice to do is the 1960s actress darling and it's just audrey um connected to wonder woman this was happening the women's liberation movement was happening. Wonder Woman was a character from the 40s, and she had been this superhero, iconic superhero. When other male writers and artists got a hold of her, they made her secretary of the Justice League. They made her, like, they sort of deep power. Yeah, it was real shitty. So in the 70s, in an effort to try to approach the Wonder Woman character in a very modern way, they took away her superpowers. They took away her revealing costume. They gave her a bunch of new, like, fashionable things, and she was like a karate person. That's not really Audrey Hepburn-related, but it was still the things that were happening to women in popular culture with characters definitely influenced the shit I liked since I was a kid, comic books. And you can trace it through different decades. You can see how, you know. And I'm sure that Audrey Hepburn's character and others like it were big influences because it's a huge hit. I'm going to just interject my female opinion uh, because <laughs> I don't know anything about the comic book world or Wonder Woman as a comic. I just mm-hmm. know it as the film that came out. Mm-hmm. And I know the feeling that I got when watching that and being like, holy shit, this is what men have experienced the entire time seeing like powerful yep. men on screen as yep. superheroes. I'm like, oh, the, yep. I'm crying as she's going into battle. Yep. But looking back at breakfast at Tiffany's, it's like, Oh yeah, she is still a power, like in charge of her own life. They're Mm -hmm. very paralleled in what I want to be in my life. And I'm glad that they're both on the screen, but I feel like maybe I've just been watching the wrong things between when I watched this in junior high, high school to (laughs) when I saw wonder woman last year. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's nothing in film. Yeah. Nothing. Oh, there, there are things there, but it is so lacking. Yeah, you it just is gotta, so, it's Thelma and Louise. Yeah, uh, yeah, but you have to look for that stuff, and it's nowhere near the same as, especially in a genre like action superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, it's no. not even close. And every time something like Black Panther comes out and blows people away, people will point to that and be like, "See, done, solved, even." It's like, no, nah, dude, not even close. We got <laughs> lots more work to do, but, um, but yeah. So, so this is in your top ten, Chelsea. Yeah. What other movies are in your top ten? Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. You don't have to name them all. Uh, as many as you can and want. Uh, this. Do you say Breakfast Club? No, okay. Breakfast at Tiffany's. I okay. just, it's so Funny hard. Face? Funny Face, yeah, mm-hmm. as my musical. Mm-hmm. I probably would put, I don't know, it's, I guess it's a tradition more than like a top ten. We watch White Christmas every Christmas. That's as nice. a musical. I like musicals. I like old movies. Um I might put Pirates, first Pirates on there. It's so good. Because it, it definitely affected my life. It's so I was, good. I had a lot of pirate clothing, <laughs> uh, pirate branded clothing. I didn't dress as a pirate. That would be funny. You didn't need an eye patch like the guy in the Breakfast <laughs> That's um, a great little bit, too, because he just lifted it. the lady like, in the mirror. Like, is this for fashion? That's yeah. another thing. Marvel Comics, Nick Fury. Where do you think that eye patch came from? Oh, it Nick came Fury from Breakfast was a, at Tiffany. was a handsome white dude That's in the true. early 60s. Not Sam. Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think so that I was, was like, Nick oh, Fury. That was Nick Fury. And Nick Fury doesn't need that eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Would you say it's your favorite ride at Disneyland? Uh, Pirates it, of the Caribbean? It used to be. My favorite now is Haunted Mansion. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're getting older. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a death is cool. Uh, no, yeah. I think it well, <laughs> closer that, to death. Uh, no. We're all there's a lot of death I, in pirates too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. They're already dead. Yeah. Um, I think it's because I I did this really cool interactive experience at Disneyland that involved haunted mansion. What? Yeah. What is it? Tell us about that. Uh, it was called the Ghost Post. It was a subscription box. They sold 999 of them because there are 999 ghosts on the Haunted Mansion. And my uncle and I just went around Disneyland and did these like interactive, like you get the app on your phone and the Bluetooth interacts with these spots at Disneyland. Cool. And so it was Haunted Mansion related. So I fell in love with it again then. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite ghost? <sighs> is it the Hatbox ghost? I think it is the Hatbox he ghost. He right. has mm-hmm. the coolest gimmick when you yeah. go to, yeah. through the well, haunted the, mansion now it's so hat cool go, the hat box ghost in the ride is new like that's in the what last I, couple mm-hmm. of years that's what that i freaked out when i when we went recently and i hadn't been in a couple of years and they added that i was like mm. holy shit it's the hat box ghost that's awesome and it's such a good thing and yeah. I'm not, i don't know how it's they brilliant. do it they did they executed it very so well like good job imagineers or something i don't know yeah shout out to the imagineers all right guys any final thoughts on breakfast at tiff's what's the sequel i don't know man Okay, I'm going to pitch a sequel right now. Okay. The, the, the sequel is... They have lunch at Tiffany's. <laughs> I don't hate it. I was going to say like lunch at Tiffany's That's or a great joke brunch at Tiffany's. I was thinking like 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 brunch to show that... To show oh. that Holly Golightly is maturing in the sense of like... And she has maybe a mimosa she, now. Yeah, maybe she's not partying all night, but she's still Holly. She's still herself, and she will go and have a nice mimosa for brunch. And maybe yeah. maybe she, you know, she still likes perusing Tiffany's or whatever. I would love it if... if um, it wasn't with uh, uh, Paul. No, slash Paul Fred. has come out. He's later. out of the picture. Well, Paul's yeah, come out of the closet right now. It's and the twenty sequel, years come later, out of the guys. It's yeah. after she turned forty and can wear diamonds. Oh my god! Oh, and doesn't uh, need a man, that's right? Much Paul's not yeah. there. No man's there. She still has cat. Paul's her gay best friend. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. With but also, it could be a sequel just about cat. That's true. What happens to cat? Oh, that's the that's the story. Or just rather like like opening shot, lightning strikes. Cat is standing over two dead bodies. <laughs> no, not at Holly all. and Paul, and he just looks at the camera. He's like, "Finally, I've done it." <laughs> like, oh my god, I've killed these two worthless humans. The night is mine. <laughs> jumps out into the night, and it's like breakfast at Tiffany's two cat. <laughs> he jumps out. Oh, uh, I want it. No, uh, I think uh, Chelsea has a right idea. You do it like over forty, Holly go lightly, man or not. What I would love is like, I would love a kind of like a how Stella got her groove back type story. Kind of like a let's say she was married and then divorced. I would love a how does somebody who was married for X number of years kind of find something that they were looking for again, like do that again. You know, I'm just like picturing my mom right now. Just like my mom, like trying to date after being married for 20 years, you know, like, like that I think would be really interesting. I just want Holly to have that happy ending of like, yes, she doesn't need a man. They're absolutely right. That does not need to be in the picture to have a fulfilling life and to be happy and to live but in New York and have a cat. But also you don't need to be afraid of love. That's what I want her to know. Mm-hmm. And and not just like, I'll be with you, Paul, because you said you love me and we hung out for a little bit. But like, no, Holly, but who? what kind of person do you want to be with? Legitimately, like for real. Not about money, not about status. But if that wasn't an issue, if that wasn't a problem, what kind of a person would you want to spend time with and maybe be married to? You know, like what kind of a person would you would you... Want to party with or not? I don't know. Whatever. I'm just getting romantic with it. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably wrap it up because Keller's got work in the morning. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Peek behind um, the curtain. I got to wake up early. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the sequel. Final thoughts on Breakfast at Tiffany's. Was there anything new that you saw also this time around, Chelsea? Uh, you said other than the filters. You noticed that? I noticed that. And just like, I guess kind of relating to her, her mo- I guess their monologues. I don't know. When she's... Talks to Paul about, I guess, that fear of love at the beginning versus mm-hmm. the end. Even I can just relate to both of them. I yeah. can relate to her kind of pushing people away. And I can also relate to like, oh, yeah, you can get over that. And you, you don't have to lose yourself to love. Right, right. To be with somebody, you don't have to consider yourself like, oh, well, now I'm no longer Holly. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm Mrs. So-and-so yeah. or whatever. And that's, you know, yeah. That's great. Keller, any final thoughts? 
Uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, my yeah. mom would be glad to hear it. Um. <laughs> would you guys watch this again? Um, maybe. Okay. I would if someone was like, hey, we're going to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's. I'd be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to seek it out on my own ever again. Here's, here's my perfect scenario. Uh, I'm at a party at somebody's yeah. house, and in the background is breakfast, breakfast at Tiffany's, and, and then I would go- there's croissants everywhere. There's croissants everywhere, and then I would go, oh, this is such a great scene. Turn it up, turn it up. Or like, if the subtitles So like my like, 26th birthday, yeah. we have a 50s theme party, yes. we yes. dress up, we play all Audrey parties I've edited out all of Mickey Rooney's spots and oh like replaced God. him with like him being the old man in Pete's Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he runs out, he's like, I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Or just his one line from The Muppets from 2011. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Yeah, that's all it'll be every single time. It's, just, it's supposed to be him. It'll just, just that one line. What's that? What's the song again that they sing? That's like, oh god, I'm trying to remember. I don't know. Let's no sit here and wait for you to remember. Yeah, the Muppet no, no, come on, the Muppet song. It's the Muppets. When at the, uh, the Muppets. No, the Muppets. it's it's when when Jason Siegel and the other the little Muppet brother are like in their hometown and they're singing about the hometown. Rainbow and they go to, Connection. Oh, yeah, damn it! All right, you guys, cut cut it out. Okay. Um, Next Keller. week. What are we watching next week? The Wicker Man, Turn 1973. None of that Nick Cage bullshit. And I think we're watching that with, who's our guest? Is it Scott? Scott Rubin? I think so. I Let me so. double. Let me double check here. Hang on one second. Oh my God. Oh my God. We should definitely be prepared. Mm, yes, we should. Oh, that's not that one. It's this Which one. Which one is it? All right. And uh, it is absolutely... Scott Rubin is going to be Oh my God, guest. we were definitely right. Glad my we stalled that entire time and <laughs> waited for you to confirm it. My good buddy, Scott Rubin, he's a big horror guy. He was really excited at the prospect of talking about the original Wicker Man. I've never seen it. It's supposed to be great. I cannot wait to see it. It's, it's going to be good. Uh, I don't know if it's... Streaming on the internet. I don't... Uh, sorry. If you, you find it. I, I couldn't... <laughs> I don't have my phone with me. Otherwise, I'd look it up on my app, but it's charging in the other room because my phone almost died. Man. Oh, um, I will say hmm? that... You can't find a digital copy, nor find it streaming, or buy a copy of Willow, but it is on YouTube, and I watched a good portion of it at work on Friday. That's great. Both of these movies went over my head. I don't know what you're talking it's about. Right. It's Everybody okay. check out Willow, directed yeah. by Ron Howard, starring Val oh. Kilmer. It's all right. People love it, but I'm like, man. Little Opie? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He's mm-hmm. older than that. Warwick Davis is pretty great in it, though. He is. Like, I'm glad he got like. Val Kilmer like is great in it too. Starring vehicle, yeah, as Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. Yeah, yeah. But Warwick, great actor, really great, great actor. Chelsea, oh my God, thank you so much for being thank on the show. You thank, so for me. thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's late. Wow. Wow. Almost one a.m. Like a Mickey Rooney. Would you like pee? I deeply regret how anything I said or did could have been interpreted that way. I am so sorry. Uh, you that, son of a bitch. That was not my... What an asshole you are. That is not the my greatest way to end this. ...intention uh. at all. Um, Jesse, is there anything that you would like our listeners to to uh, uh, go and click on on the internet, any of your work? Mm, no. Okay. I don't know. You can find me if you want. Okay. I'm places. I don't know. I'm Check not out that Soul important. Pancake. Check out Soul Pancake. Yeah. That's yeah. about it. Okay. Do it. It's cool. It's great. That sounds great. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank yes, you again, thank you. Chelsea's dad. Let us know if <laughs> it was bearable or if it was like, if it was like uh, <laughs> these guys need to work on their chops. Let us know. Yeah, when is 10? Almost yeah. definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you again, Chelsea, for picking Breakfast at Tiffany's. Great movie. We'll see you guys next week with The Wicker Man with Mr. Scott Rubin. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in a week. Okay, bye. Bye, Dad. I love you. <laughs> bye. Bye, Dad. I love you. <laughs> Goodbye, Dad. I love you. (laughs) 